Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It's time for the Gun Guy TV podcast. Hi, I'm Joel Persinger. Thank you very much for all of your support of the Gun Guy TV Firearms Podcast and for the Gun Guy TV video program and all the other things that we do. I'm really grateful. We've got a great podcast today. We're going to talk about self-defense calibers. That ought to be a lot of fun because that is a debate that has started probably before the beginning of time. Well, I don't know. There weren't guns back then. But it's been going on for a long time. There is no correct answer except the one that I give because I'm always right about everything. And then we'll have that debate with these gentlemen that we're going to talk to here in just a minute. Before we get started, I want to remind you that this podcast is made possible by the very company that I own, Practical Defense Systems. Now, for a long time, we've trained security guards, but we also train concealed carry holders, folks with home defense guns and so on. And we have an outstanding training simulator that you can come in and learn how to do all kinds of things with. You can do it in the safety of a place with no guns going off, and you can deal with a lot of things you would never be able to practice anywhere else. So I do urge you to check us out. Practical Defense Systems, you'll find us at pdsclasses.com. All right, let's go talk to Rick, Sam, and Pete, and the whole crazy crew. Pete is in the Bahamas working. Uh, Rick is in his what's left of his house, which is being remodeled. And... Uh, Sam is in his office, I think. I don't know. And I am in my bunker here in the People's Socialist Republic of California in some secret location, known only to me, which is why these guys have never been in this bunker and never will be, because it's exactly perfectly sized for one. It's also fake, but that's got nothing to do with it. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about self-defense calibers. That'll be fun. Um, What is... Anybody, anywhere, what is your favorite self-defense caliber? I brought with me, before you answer the question, I brought with me a 450 Bushmaster, and I brought with me a 44 Magnum. Somehow, I just like calibers that start with four or five, but that's just me. What do you guys think? Well, I think that, uh, I think that you got to go with, uh, with Joe Biden, uh, right? Yeah, the nine millimeter will blow the blow the lung right out of the body. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, just take no, your. I, it's a, or a two two three will completely decapitate someone. That's right. Right. Uh, That's it. Even if you shoot them in the toenail, it just decapitates them. That's it. I shoot a forty five because they don't make forty six. Ah, okay. All right, Rick, you're up. You have a home to defend. We can see it. The walls are kind of a little thin but it's there if you're watching the video version it's because he's sitting there with a picture of his home being stripped down to nothing um but it's not the same way now he's remodeling it's uh it's situational for me okay yeah when i think about it and it's the reason i put the picture of the wait 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 we're joking and you're going to be serious yeah okay all right go ahead that's but, disappointing. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we started this project a couple of months back and they stripped the, the house down, as you can see in the picture that I posted behind me, uh, down to the, literally the paper and the boards. 
it caused me to review something I know Sam and I've talked about a couple of times of like penetration, what's necessary, how far rounds go and things. And so obviously if I'm defending myself out of nature, it's my favorite rounds, whatever I have loaded and chambered right next to me. But when you get into a house, you know, are there little ones running around? Are there not little ones? I mean, there's some variable ethics. So there's sometimes I could side with Pete and go, yeah, 45. And there's other times I might pick a smaller caliber with a frangible round because I don't want going through this stuff. Because when you really strip your house down, you realize there's more areas that there's less to block that round than there are to block it. Which brings up an interesting comment, and that is that truthfully, if you think about cover as something that will stop and deflect around, there's darn near zero cover in a house. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if it's one built in the Pacific Southwest. Right. Now, if it's a stone house or brick house or something, then the exterior walls will do some work. But the house is built around San Diego, for example, or where you are up in uh, the you know L.A. Orange County area. They're just thin, they're paper thin, aren't they? I mean, what's it like up where you live, um, Sam? Is it are the houses built more strongly up there? Um, depends on where you are, of course. Uh, the, most of the house are built with conventional, um, you know, stick and sheet rock. Uh, construction, uh, not a whole lot of cover, a whole lot of concealment, but not a whole lot of cover. Uh, unless you, you, you have to take care of that yourself, like putting one of these under your pillow that's got uh, two uh, class 3A body armor panels in it, or, or, you know, walking around the house when you're cooking with one of these, and <laughs> stop any shotgun round, it'll stop any, any uh, uh, handgun round. Um, but it won't stop rifle. Well, well this one has two uh, 3A panels, so it, it might have a, an impact. And you know what? I'm not going to let Rick go first anymore. He steals my thunder. I mean, he <laughs> took that lightning bolt right out of the middle of the sky and threw it out there. Um, and and I, I agree. With all jesting aside, um, I like whatever is available to me at the moment to defend myself as my favorite uh, self-defense implement, my favorite self-defense tool. Sometimes it'll be something as meager as a little 22, and sometimes it'll be something a little more powerful, like a 500 Smith & Wesson Magnum. Oh my gosh, hold that up. Hold on, hold on, hold that up. You gotta hold that up, Sam. Oh boy. You beat me. I got the 450 Bushmaster, and you had to, you had to one-up me there, and he yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I even, and, and then you've got um, medium-sized calibers like the 7.62 by 39 a, a very famous international caliber everybody thinks oh it's a high power round this is a high power round 300 weatherby magnum this is a peep squeak thank uh, you so very much it, for it, speaking it, the truth <laughs> it's, it's a peep squeak that lends itself to um, easy use by people to defend themselves that's why it's a, a practical thing like the 223 slash 556 um these are rounds that 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 a lot of people can can use efficiently, accurately, effectively to protect themselves. But I'll tell you this: depending on the caliber that I have in my hand, it might govern the tactics that I use to defend myself. This I might be aiming at a different part of the body than this. Now, for those of you, if you're listening rather than looking, he was holding up the 22 versus the 500 Smith and Wesson. Right. Just so that you, right. in case you're in case you're listening, you can't see the video. Yeah, so um, uh, it, it's 
This is a, a great subject. And as we discussed, uh, uh, you know, in, in the um, show prep, uh, uh, that this debate has been going on since the beginning of guns, you know, back in the Revolutionary War. You had these guys who had the 36 caliber squirrel guns with rifle barrels. You had these guys that had 50 and 56 caliber muskets with no no rifling and shot all kinds of stuff. And mine's more powerful than yours. And then this is a this is the best one to use. And and frankly, um, we prove that uh, a combination of all of them can be really effective. And and I think you can ask uh, England about that. Um, that that uh, we, we were successful with using. Um, all manner of of tools to accomplish the goal of gaining our our freedom and liberty from tyranny. So um, it's not, I mean, this could be a very, very short podcast saying (laughs) anything in your hand in in an operable firearm would be a a good self-defense tool in in the house. Uh, But it goes, it really does require a lot more thought than that for all of the reasons that we're going to talk about. So but don't you get universal answers? I see it all the time. You get the universal answer. Well, this is the best one, or that's the best one. The the, the perennial argument between the AR-15 and the 12-gauge shotgun, you know, goes back and forth. And you have people who almost have a, a religious fervor for one versus the other. Well, I think there's also the misnomer of, um, and again, I know we've all had these kind of discussions, but I can think specifically, we have a volunteer at CRPA that she's incredible. She's in her 70s. She travels up and down the state, but mostly NorCal. And she can handle, uh, I forget the, the name of the caliber, but it's the Ruger Alaskan in its biggest caliber. She can handle it. She can drill a target. Yeah, one of the other ladies that's like half her age that works with her, who's actually a little bit bigger as far as body, you know, taller, stuff she can't handle that and so i think sometimes people look at someone based on their size the shape of their hands their age and goes oh well we can put the big 45 you know wilson combat with everything on in their hands maybe and maybe that's not a good thing for them you know and and other yeah it just depends on people you know my son and i talk about it all the time he has a little smaller hand than me so he's able to use some of the sig products that are built for smaller hands for me they don't feel right you know so and then you have to see well what caliber does that handgun come in and the situation and then you know you have to think about like it's why i i hate the idea of you know where california was at one point where people could only have one firearm on a ccw or three because you know i got six on my car because i've limited down like six different situations of where i may be carrying it depending on what i'm doing that day Depends which one of those comes with me. Pete, you're very quiet in the Bahamas. Is that because you're drinking a, a you know, kind of a weird, crazy Bahama alcoholic drink this morning? Or uh, no, no rum punch yet, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's <gasps> Oh, and wait, 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 wait. Is that Pete's coffee? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Starbucks. it's a Starbucks. It's just Pete's coffee from Starbucks. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm fond of, uh, I'm fond of big boars and I cannot lie. Um, you know, but as you pointed out, uh, 
you've got uh, what? You've got an inch and a half of wood every 16 inches. So that's what? Just almost one in 11 chance of actually hitting something that might slow it down. Because trust me, drywall is not going to slow anything down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for me, fortunately, my house layout is such that uh, um, if I were to if I were to to sit in the alcove upstairs uh, next to the bedroom, I'd be firing towards the front of the house, and there's there's no people between me and and uh, the next 150 yards to get across the street. So. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't worry too much about over penetration in that, in that point, especially if I hit the target and then it hits the, the front of the house with the rock face on it. It's not, uh, it's not going to leave my property with enough velocity to, to do anything other than uh, maybe scratch the paint. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I don't worry. I don't worry about it. Um, but I, I've shot 45s my whole life. Um, I grew up, I grew up in high school shooting a 45, uh, and it's it's been like that ever since. And so that's what's comfortable to me. Uh, 1911, my hand just feels comfortable in a 1911 because that's where it's always been. So anything else is just starts feeling weird. So I uh, I I would go with a 19 a 1911 45, just because if something goes bump in the middle of the night. I know I can grab it, and I know that without having to fiddle with my grip or anything else, the way it's going to sit in my hand and feel right, I can point and shoot and up to 10, 15 yards, pretty much hit whatever I need to. You brought up a couple of interesting things that might be worth discussion. One is something Rick talked about, which is different people have different capabilities. Uh, the other is that all of us shoot, and so we all practice. So it's interesting to discuss how important getting to the range is because you got to hit what you're shooting at. You know, if you actually hit the bad guy, then the concern about over-penetration is somewhat reduced, but you have to hit the bad guy. The other thing you mentioned was across the street. You know, we saw in 2020, in the riots of 2020, that people were going through neighborhoods and there's a possibility that home defense then extends outside your door. Um, I mean, in California, you'd be well advised to stay indoors just because of the legal framework here. But should we be concerned about what caliber we might use if we had to step out the front door because the world changes and the obstacles that might be in the way of our actually engaging the threat would change. What, what are your thoughts about any of that? I, I, you know, I think this goes back to what Sam and I were both kind of discussing at the beginning, and that is you have to be, and, and Pete even makes this comment. Pete loves the 1911 we've talked about because that is a handgun that he's very familiar with. He's got decades of experience. You know, I personally started off with a good old Smith & Wesson K-Frame Model 19, and so I'm very comfortable with that type of revolver. But then when I went to the military, I got handed a Breda 92, got very comfortable with that. And I do have my own 1911 and love it as well. So I think comfort is, but I think also my brain switches off that if I'm carrying my Model 19, I think of what does a 38 plus P do? How would I use that if I'm outside, inside, et cetera? 
if I'm carrying the 92, which I no longer do, but when I was, I thought the same way. When I you know, pick up my Colt 1911, I have thoughts on what I'm carrying in that. And I think one of the things that you have to really consider is, you know, 40 years ago when I started carrying the 19, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of ammunition choices unless you got to be more like the three of you guys where you were like dialing it all in when you were doing your reloads and stuff. But I mean, off the shelf, you might have had like three, maybe four options. Today, you have so many tailored options for what you want to put, especially if you're firing semi-auto, you can set up, you know, these are the mags for when I'm doing this outdoors, these are the mags for when I'm at home. Like, you, it's very easy to do that and to tailor your favorite round to the situation. This brings up... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Pete. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You mentioned that, Rick, because uh, my, uh, I typically have two backup mags with me. Um, in in one in one setup I have, and the other one I only keep one with me. But when I carry two, I carry two different rounds in those two backup mags. One uh, one for the forty five is a hundred and eighty five grain plus B with uh, with a, a massive expansion to it, and the other is a two hundred and thirty five grain hollow point. And uh, based on the situation. If I have to, if I have to change ammo based on the situation, I grab mag A or mag B, um, and that's and that's and there's a decision there, and I know which one is inside of the uh, of the mag holster. Sam, you're very quiet. Well, I've been I've been doing a lot of thinning around here. And <laughs> <laughs> so much of what was said is is true, but you know. The goal of using any caliber is to uh, uh, create as much energy dump into the target, uh, keeping everything around you safe. And and that can be achieved with virtually every caliber out there. It used to be, you know, you can still go to a bar and have, see guys arm wrestling. I'm a nine guy. I'm a 45 guy. And they're going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But the reality is that uh, these days, um, you know, what, what we want to see is something like this yeah it goes in and stops dumps all the energy prevents you know stops the target now what, what did you what did you have there for the folks that aren't that this can't one see is a um um six millimeter 243 bullet uh 100 uh, copper uh but but the thing i wanted for people to see is the expansion and that happens with all of them if you choose the right ammunition now for self-defense if i've got uh 22s that i'm going to count on for self-defense i'm going to think about getting some uh those that have a little more of a of, a, of an oomph um which translates to virtually nothing more is felt in the in the hand they're still very accurate uh, but they have the ability to stop a small game which could be translated to uh um you know the operating zones of a, of a dangerous target um uh it, it could be a 38 and and you know there's there's a whole lot of stuff for years and years and years police officers have been using 158 grain round nose lead bullets out of 38s and they've stopped many 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 criminals with with that round now yes it's gotten better 
Um, they now have a variety of of, uh, of rounds that are low powered 38s that are super expansion capable to the the hottest of your 357 magnums, which are going to stop in in whatever your your first uh, uh, impact is if you hit a soft wet target. Um, uh, the no guarantees if you miss missing doesn't doesn't count that will go on and on and on but nine millimeters you know i i i carry i'm a 45 guy i my hand when i go to sleep it's it's in the shape of the 40 <laughs> it is with my thumb on top of my safety and and that's you know whether it's under my pillow or that that's the way it is um but i have to admit that for some social reasons uh, it, sometimes I find it um, efficacious and proper to carry a nine millimeter, but it's not just any nine millimeter. It's not just ball ammunition that that I used to, to train with and practice. Uh, it's inexpensive, but it also overpenetrates. Uh, it, when we teach a CCW class, we one of the first things we tell them in the safety orientation is. Number four, be aware of your target and what's behind your target because virtually any gun you use can go through your target and hit somebody else. So be aware of that. So I've resolved that by, by choosing um, uh, carefully the, the, the type of ammunition that I, that I carry. This is a, a DRT a dynamic research technology. It's a, a fairly lightweight bullet. Um, and, and the velocity is, is pretty significant. Recoil is very manageable. And the key thing is that there's an aluminum cup, that is holding a rather significant amount of tungsten, powdered tungsten in there. So when this bullet hits soft tissue, within a couple of inches, it opens up and you have a tungsten cloud that turns into a brick and, and stops and, and will not overpenetrate. I am very confident in, in using these in social situations where um, there are, there's, there's a crowded area. I would be very careful if I was shooting my 115, 124 grain nine millimeters that are that are full metal jackets. Uh, I, I would be very, the tactics of using that kind of, I mean, well, you know, the tactics wouldn't even come in because I would never be in a situation where I'm gonna have to pull that kind of a, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna have that kind of a round on me for personal defense. When I'm going out into society, I make sure that I'm ready to go with the things that are gonna be most effective and most efficient. So, um, and 357, 45. The nice thing about a 45 is the goal of a nine millimeter is to open up to the size of 45. A 45 doesn't have to open up. It's already to that size. And that imparts an immense amount of energy. And depending on all kinds of factors, uh, that could be, uh, that is, has proven to be a very capable round of stopping a deadly threat. I mean, the American government, they figured it out back when in from the Philippines and dealing with the, the, the enemy that they were fighting there with 38 revolvers and, and, and the enemy uh, was um, uh, up on some sort of a enhanced drug uh, and the 38s were ineffective. And they said, Hey, you need to bring us 45s. And they ran out of automatics. So they started making the Colts and the Smith and Wessons in 45 auto with moon clips and they used them and they were successful at achieving their goal. So 45, 44 Magnum, eh, I, and unless I were going out where a bear or a bar or mountain lion or something like that, I, I, I'd probably, if I carried a 45, it would be in 44 special. 
I do not recommend that anybody use their own personally hand-loaded ammunition for personal protection um, because somehow, sometime, you're, they're not going to work. So factory ammunition gives you that extra level of, of security um, and, and there will not be any, if you have to go to court, there's not going to be some attorney saying, yeah, you hand loaded these things into pocket rockets. They, you know, you could shoot it and it would reach the moon. And, and, you know, uh, I use factory ammunition that's designed for personal protection. So that's kind of the long way around the barn on my, on my philosophy. I, 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 I tailor the, the, the rounds to my situation. I like these in a home because they will trap penetrate two by four, but they will not penetrate completely through a, a person or an animal and stuff like that. And I find that to be really good. So my goal is don't miss. <laughs> well, I think that's an excellent goal. Okay, so before you go, Pete, I just wanted to ask this question. And maybe we can think about it and do it on the, on the, the second uh, half, which is fine. If you had asked me three, four years ago, five years ago, whether I thought there was any likelihood at all of having a group of angry people march through my neighborhood, destroy vehicles, and throw Molotov cocktails at things, I would have said no. There's exactly three chances of that, slim chance, fat chance, and no chance at all. And then during the Black Lives Matter riots and COVID, in the town right next to the town I live in, and, and because I live right on the edge of town, I mean, literally, maybe three miles from my house, they had a riot. They burnt down two banks, uh, I think burnt down at least one, if not two fire uh, department vehicles, and uh, and attacked a bunch of people and so on. And what are they doing? They're throwing Molotov cocktails, setting fires like that. So now if you ask me the same question, I would say, well, I think it's a small likelihood, but is it, is it, is it likely? No. Is it possible? Yes. Where I wouldn't have thought it was even possible before. And that ex that's what I meant when I said it extends my home defense outside my front door. Because I may stay in the house and let them destroy my vehicle or whatever, but the minute some joker wants to throw a Molotov cocktail at my house, I have to put that guy down in the street before he throws it. How does that change? Does that change the caliber that we use or for that matter, the platform that we're using? Are we using a rifle now or a shotgun now instead of a handgun and why? Well, Sam, Sam mentioned a couple of things. The first was uh, uh, the, the laws of the, the rules about gun safety. You mentioned rule rule number four and, and of course, everybody probably that listens to this podcast knows it, but I think the Bahamas are, are uh, giving me a problem with my allergies because I feel like I need to sneeze. <coughs> like Baldwin. Um, but other than that, uh, no, in answer to your question, yeah, uh, certainly if I have to reach outside my house, uh, it's a long gun every time. Why? Because the if you take uh, a person and you totally obliterate their 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 heart, the the blood pumping organ, not their not their uh, essence, but the blood pumping organ, you totally obliterate that. They can still function for fifteen seconds. 
And that's plenty of time to release the Molotov cocktail. But you hit them, you hit them in this neighborhood, and that's just that's that's the off switch. They don't uh, they don't continue through with the. There's no follow through when you hit the off switch. Everything just falls. And at uh, 15, 25 yards, 30 yards, you're going to be uh, a hundredfold more more uh, accurate and more possible to hit the on-off switch uh, with a long gun than you are going to be with a handgun. Any other thoughts? I'm, I'm thinking about over-penetration because my neighbor's across the street with the kids in their house. I'm thinking about having to thread the needle to hit the guy that I want to hit without injuring or killing another protester who isn't threatening to throw a Molotov cocktail at my house. I mean, it presents a a unique um, situation because it's not a war zone. It's not a combat zone where if you accidentally hit one of the other guys, it doesn't really matter, perhaps. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, a justification, justifiable homicide, justification of force. In, in California at least, where I can only shoot at and shoot the person who is presenting a real, immediate, credible threat of death or great bodily harm. So now I've got a group of people in the street, one of whom is about to throw a, fl- a, 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 a Molotov cocktail or some device at my home, which could ignite my home and kill my family. So I'm I'm in a position where I have a legal justification to shoot that individual. But I can't shoot the individual behind him. I can't shoot the person to the right or the left. And to Sam's point, I have to be mindful of my target and what is beyond it, but I also have to be mindful of my target and what may pass between me and it in a crowded situation. So long gun, we've decided it's a long gun, I agree. But are we talking about a rifle? Are we talking about a shotgun? Can we thread the needle with the shotgun? And what kind of ammunition are we talking about? And we got one veteran on the call here. Um, and that would be Rick. I mean, what are your thoughts? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Who else? You're the only veteran in the room, as far as I know, unless I'm not. <laughs> Pete's not. I, I don't with, think. I would go with a rifle, and I'd probably go with a 5.56. Five, mm. Okay, there's got to be a Y, right? Well, part of it goes back to what we said, comfortability. And, you know, when we get to the next pay- phase, I'm going to bring something up to everybody. But, I mean, <clears throat> five five six is a great round. It's got good penetration. You, depending on the type of round you choose to load up with, you're going to be able to drop the blood pressure on your target very quickly and put them down. And you can thread the needle with that round if you need to. Any other thoughts? Sam stepped in it. I mean, I mentioned it perfectly. Um, it's, you know, the uh, the Sky Marshal, the FA Sky Marshals, I'm sorry, the, the, the Department of Transportation Sky Marshals, uh, now Department of Homeland Security, I think, uh, at one time carried Glazer safety slugs. And I don't know if you're familiar about those, with those, but for those that aren't, that's the, uh, that's the number seven shot Packed into uh, packed into a copper case with a little wax tip on the end. And the thing that if you hit somebody, there's no chance of penetration, much less over penetration. And uh, it's uh, it's going to be a little a little more gentle 
on uh, some of the aircraft systems than you know the the, the sides of the aircraft than uh, than a hollow point's going to be. Uh, now there's all sorts of all sorts of rims. I have in uh, in the 458 SOCOM, as a matter of fact, I have a, a wonderful round from Lehigh uh, that uh, called Controlled Chaos, and it's an all copper round. And the minute it hits anything and runs into some hydrostatic shock, it fractures apart into about five or six pieces. Um, and 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 to your point, Joel. Um, no, it's not a combat zone, but if in the process of defending my home and if it comes down to the guy, the protester behind the guy with the Molotov cocktail or my, my house, um, it's going to suck to be the guy behind the Molotov cocktail <laughs> guy because the Molotov cocktail guy is going to get felony murder and I'm not going to get charged with homicide in that case because my actions didn't didn't precipitate the situation and I've got a balcony to shoot from too so everything gets done <laughs> yeah i don't have a balcony that's well a you know and again I, I, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right it it's uh it's just an interesting discussion i think it's things that i didn't really prior to the riots and then we'll move on to the second segment here in a few minutes and you know what probably when i get done here but prior to the riots i really didn't give a lot of thought to what i would have to do if somebody were rioting through the street or whatever because my 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 process was no if it's a temporary thing and you know the world hasn't collapsed if it's a riot i've lived through two riots if it's a riot and then they're just tearing things up. That's what insurance is for. And I'm going to stay in the house. I'm not going to go out and try to run these people off. If they want to destroy the vehicle, they destroy the vehicle. We got to go. You know, we get file an insurance claim, buy another car, and suck up the difference, whatever the difference is. But that, but even the car. I mean, we just bought a brand new car for my wife, but someone's life is worth an awful lot more than that car. So if they're stupid. Having never been stupid in my life, I don't know how they could be stupid. If they're out there doing foolish and illegal things, having never been foolish in my entire life, I don't know how they could be foolish. Then, you know, I have a little grace on them, and if they destroy some things, they destroy some things, call the cops, stay in the house, and as long as they're not shooting at the house or in any way threatening life and limb of my family or myself, let it pass and then pick up the pieces afterwards. But then you have these folks who are literally putting lives at danger. I mean, I you know, we saw it on television. You saw them go into business districts and attack people, they you know, and beat them to death literally to shoot a retired cop when he goes over to help his buddy with the with the pawn shop and kill him dead right there on the street and then do video to watch him die. This is a this is a new level of of evil that was released on our streets. And in some places, it's still it's still actively doing that. So I think the world has changed, and I really hadn't thought through the um, the ramifications of that until until then. And I just uh, to give my point of view, I I tend to agree. I would use a rifle because I got to thread the needle. As much as I am a shotgun guy, and I love 12 gauge shotguns, and I can make them run like a Swiss watch. The rifle is the choice for that for me because I, I'm going to do, I got to do what I got to do 
But to the degree that I can impact the individual who's threatening my life and the life of my family, I want to impact that person. I don't want to end up getting somebody else. So I understand what you're saying, Pete. I just want to, I'm going to do what I got to do. And if somebody else gets hurt, they get hurt. Okay, I'll answer to that in court later. But the goal is to try to to be uh, um, propitious or what's a good word for it? I don't know. To be selective in shooting the right person, the bad guy that's threatening me, not somebody else. As far as the 556 is concerned, I guess the question I would have before we go into the next segment, because as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, it's an hour long, the first half an hour is free. We're going a little long here and that's okay. I'm going to give you this part free. I would like to know from your experience, Rick, as a veteran, if you were to use a 556 or 223 or whatever, for it, given given what I just described, that kind of a situation, particularly where you're, if you're in a neighborhood like you are and I am, where we have somebody across the street who's our neighbor and their home is there, and we don't want to, we also don't want to miss first of all, but we also don't want that round to go through the bad guy, hit another person that's not threatening us, or go through the bad guy, impact the house across the street, and kill our neighbor's kids. From an ammo selection perspective, if I'm choosing a 556 or a 300 blackout or something, you know, or, or a 7.62 by 39. What type of ammo would you advise uh, or do you think would be best for that kind of a situation? I actually like, um, I just brought it back up, it's Federal's 5.56 by 45, 50 grain semi-jacketed frangible. It's a NATO round and it's, it's designed for urban combat. Wow, I didn't even know there was such a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's designed for urban combat for this reason? Yeah. Because one of the things that the military was placed back in the 80s and 90s, um, not that they hadn't been there before, because you can make the argument for both world wars and stuff and, and even go back even further. But urban combat is something that, while it took place since the revolution, we didn't focus as a military on it until we started going back in the Middle East in the 80s and 90s and started to realize that, you know, one of the tactics of, of the opposition was to, you know, have a guy sitting down at that time with a Soviet machine gun and like 20 women would jump on top of him. Well, talk about thread the needle. If you start firing back with a, you know, 30 caliber machine gun, you're gonna take several non-combatants with it. And that just becomes a nightmare in the press. So they started developing rounds that you could use in urban combat that when they hit, they fringed, you know, came apart inside the person and then extend beyond. And, uh, we also changed from the wall of lead theory of putting as much lead down into a target area and got more selective with our fire and and started making sure that you're placing around center mass and those rounds placed center mass, you minimize collateral damage as it was called back in the day. Very, very interesting. All right, we're gonna we're gonna make the jump over to Gun Guy TV crew. If you this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, uh, I'll let you know the podcast is generally an hour long. No, we're not super like you know. Let me time it down to the second. Sometimes we go long. Sometimes we go a little short. It is what it is. Okay, nobody's sitting around walking watching the clock. I don't think. But uh, this the first half an hour is free. You can watch it on Rumble if you're doing that right now. You can listen to it on your favorite podcast player. It's available pretty much everywhere even on amazon music amazingly enough you can hear it on spotify and iheart and google and whatever and you can do that you can get the audio version listen to it in your car if you want to listen to or watch the entire podcast which is an hour ish long the second half of it 
is on Gun Guy TV crew only. And that's a subscription uh, model for members who want to support the channel because, shockingly, I do not make a living doing this. And uh, none, none of these guys do either. They all have to do what they do. And this does cost money to do. And so does the channel. And it sometimes, you know, when money's tight, it's killing me. So I try to get all the support I can. So if you would like to support the channel, you can go to Gun Guy TV crew. It's not a terribly expensive thing, but you can get all of the content I post there which is exclusive to members of the crew. And uh, you will find a link to that in the description. So right about now, we're going to make the jump to Gun Guy TV crew. And then if you want to watch the rest, you got to go over there. If you don't, it was great to have you here. We'll see you at the next podcast. But I'm urging you to go over there, okay? And we're going to give you a couple of seconds to do it. Here we go. You've been listening to the Gun Guy TV podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.